Leviticus 15 podcast, where you'll receive Bible study tools and tips in just 15 minutes. Hey there, welcome to the Focus 15 podcast. We're so excited that you are here and we're just thankful that we have people that actually listen to us. Yeah, we should probably apologize for the layoff. Yes, that's all my fault. <laughs> I was so, going to say, I was going to blame it on you. <laughs> yeah, it, it's been a busy fall. It's been a good fall, but I was speaking at least twice a week, if not, sev- I mean, not t- <laughs> twice a month, if not several times a month. Some of those were local, but many of those were not local. So, I try to speak every day. Yes, you do speak every day, and so do I. But I was speaking as in like teaching at conferences, retreats, etc., gotcha. which was lots of fun. But we had been doing our podcast on Thursdays and Fridays, and that's usually when I'm gone. So anyway, we are back, and we are so excited to catch up and finish up this season. We have a lot planned, and we are glad you guys are here along the ride. So today is episode seven, and we are back to another What Do I Need to Know About episode. And today is, drumroll. Was I supposed to prepare something? Ecclesiastes. That's what it was. Yes. So, all right, take it away, Chris. What do we need to know about Ecclesiastes? Okay, well, we want to keep in mind the author, the audience, and the aim. Always. So as we answer those questions, we're really going to get a pretty good picture about the book of Ecclesiastes. So before I answer that, I'm going to kind of go on a little bit of a little bit of a tour. Okay. Um, so... If you are of a certain age, you may remember uh, a show on a channel that I don't even know if this channel exists anymore, but VH1. Oh, yeah. Behind the music. Mm -hmm. And almost every single episode was the same story. You Mm -hmm. had people that rose to rock star or pop idol status. They had all the money in the world. They had Mm -hmm. all the fame. They had all of the uh, relationships, all of the... Accoutrements, um, <laughs> pleasures, and of uh, of modern society. Is that even a word? It is. I don't know if I used it right. <laughs> um, so, anyway, uh, moving right along. Moving along. They had everything that that the world would say is fit to make you happy, mm-hmm. and yet All it wouldn't a be man could ever want, or All a, woman. a woman could ever. That's want. right. And yet, all of those stories end with. Drug addiction, or you know, a, a car crash, or some sort of horrific outcome. And the mm-hmm. the the th- thought that I always came back to as I was wa- as I would watch those documentaries or watch those shows is that you know we spend so much time worrying about oh if I only had this then I'd be happy. Mm-hmm. And if we look at people who actually got some of the things that we really want and got it in just bucketfuls and wheelbarrowfuls that. Yeah, that we we would see that it really didn't get them where we hoped it would get us. Mm-hmm. And I think that the book of Ecclesiastes functions in much the same way. Mm-hmm. So the author, we believe, is Solomon. Now, I want to put a little asterisk. I don't think I drew it that right. It looks like you're saying shame. Okay. Um, the The... Best belief that we have is that it's Solomon who wrote mm-hmm. it because in chapter one it says it's a son of David. Mm-hmm. He's uh, the author is attributed wisdom, and so as we look at uh, sons of David who are really wise and who wrote scripture, Solomon comes to the fore as probably the best candidate. 
But he doesn't just come right out and say, hey, everybody, hey, I'm Solomon. You know? <laughs> and so we, it's, it's possible that Solomon didn't write it. Mm-hmm. I think Solomon did write it. Mm-hmm. And I think he's a, he's a great candidate for having written it. Because one of the things that we know as we read through the history books of the Old Testament is that Solomon was not only one of the wisest people that ever lived, he was also one of the richest. This guy, I mean, he was making stacks on stacks mm-hmm. on stacks. For our older audience, uh, he made a lot of money. <laughs> so uh, because he was one of the richest, wisest men in the world, he really was able to to get everything that he ever wanted. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he could buy, he could afford anything that he wanted. And so as Solomon accumulates his wealth and, and, and goes through life, he comes to some understandings. And those understandings really undergird the message of Ecclesiastes. Mm-hmm. So the, the author is important. Now, if you're somebody who says, well, it could have been another son of David, I would say the same thing is still true mm-hmm. because as a royal prince, um, David was also one of the wealthiest men that ever lived. Mm-hmm. And so as a royal prince, you'd grow up in all sorts of luxury, um, kind of like uh, the, the uh, recording Studio B that you see mm-hmm. behind us. Uh, you grow up in all sorts of wealth either way. And so I think the, uh, the, the author we know is a son of David, and that really um, gives support, I think, mm-hmm. to the things that the conclusions he comes to mm-hmm. throughout the book. Yeah. And even a little backup for historical context, especially if someone's new to the Bible or I know a lot. I mean, I wasn't new to the Bible. I knew a lot about the Bible, but I didn't. I couldn't always put the pieces historically together. And so King David was the second king of of the nation of Israel. Or is that considered Israel at that point? Mm-hmm. But even though it was mm-hmm. the split. Anyway, I get mm-hmm. confused with when to call them Israelites, when to call them Jews, all that. But anyway. So King David was king number two. And then King Solomon was king number three. So Yes, and Saul was before David. So you've heard, you know, David and Goliath and King Saul and all that. You know, I don't know. That just helps me kind of put those things together. What else do we know about Solomon? Who else? What else did he write? So he wrote the Song of Solomon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was a little easier to identify because he the name's right yes. there in the title. And he wrote a couple of the Proverbs that we talked about in our yes couple episodes back. So anyway, yep. that helps putting the pieces together, Solomon. That's right. So the the audience he is preaching he he call he calls himself the preacher several times in the book. So he's preaching to an assembly, and that's where the book gets his name. Ecclesiastes means assembly. So he's preaching to the assembly, and it was apparently a pretty broad and diverse audience because he's teaching to um, people that have a lot of money. He's also teaching people who would be more your common everyday mm-hmm. guy. And so the audience is essentially his subjects, mm-hmm. as the uh, as the king uh, would 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 speak to his people. Now, where the most important thing is is the aim. What's the mm-hmm. aim of Ecclesiastes? If you were to read through it, you would not be uh, alone in thinking, "Wow, this is really depressing." Um, it takes on a more somber tone than really most other books of the Bible. And so Mm -hmm. it's somber, I believe, because here's a man who really does have the ability to purchase anything he wants, acquire anything he wants, and he's come to find out, and he says this time after time throughout the course of the book, vanity of vanities, it's all vanity. And so as he has gone through life, as he has had these experiences, he realizes that there's nothing that really 
produces that which we hope it will produce. And so, after he introduces himself, the very first words of the book, the teaching component of the book, is vanity of vanities. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, time after time, you hear this theme come up over and over again. And so, uh, regardless of how we interact with the world, we understand, not just because of Ecclesiastes, but because of the rest of God's Word, that we are living in a time, we're living in a world that's broken by sin, mm-hmm. and every part of the world that we interact with is stained by sin. Mm-hmm. And so, that's part of what the author is, is uh, highlighting. It's just the idea that uh, no matter what area of life you look at, there's going to be a part of it that's broken mm-hmm. and is going to depress you if you think about that mm-hmm. for a little while. But he mm. he brings it all to conclusion at the very end of the book. And he, he says this. He says, when it's all said and done, at the end of the day, fear God mm-hmm. and keep His commandments. Mm-hmm. And so if you really want to know how to live in wisdom, if you really want to know how to live the way God designed, it's not you know, go for all the money. It's not going for, you know, having great relationships with your friends and family. Although, you know, we believe in money. <laughs> you know, we believe in friends and family. We in money. We do. We do. Um, but at the end of the day, true happiness, real meaning in this life doesn't come from anything else mm-hmm. but to live in right relationship with God, that that fear of God, that that right reverent posture that we have that not God not only exists but that he interacts with us and that he has given expectations that that we are to um, adjust our lives to so there's the fear of God component but there's also the keep his commandments to live the way God's designed mm-hmm. I give this illustration all the time uh, in preaching and that is if you think about uh, a railroad uh, you know the tracks and the train the train is a piece of technological wizardry, mm-hmm. you know. It works really well at moving cargo down the tracks. However, if you take the train off the tracks and you put it on the interstate, it's not nearly as efficient mm-hmm. at that point. And so God has designed us to live in relationship with Him, and He gave us His Word. He gave us His commandments so that we would understand how to live. And so as we live in right relationship with God and as we obey and understand His Word and live our lives according to His Word— now we're able to to really experience life the way God has designed us to experience. And so that's where the author comes to. So if you reading through Ecclesiastes, you say, man, this is just so depressing. What's the point of any of it? Well, he gives you the point at the very end of the book. Fear, fear God, live in right relationship with God, and obey his commandments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't studied Ecclesiastes recently, but I do remember a very long time ago it was... I think in 1999, and I was... That was like a millennium ago. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, it was last millennium. Anyway. We are Y2K compatible, this whole podcast. <laughs> we are ready Y2K for... Y2K compatible. We're ready oh for gosh, Y2K. Oh my gosh, I haven't thought about that in forever. That was such a funny thing, like everybody thought the world was going to blow up. But anyway... Yeah, not funny at the time. Go ahead. Um. So yeah, and I, I was look, doing a quick look up, but I, I just remember that another thing that struck me... Uh, when I was reading and studying that, yes, it's kind of like depressing, which makes you wonder what has Solomon gone through that has brought him to this place. And I think a lot of it, as one who likes control, and I think he was definitely a leader, and God gave him wisdom, and God gave him riches, and God gave him, you know, anything a man could want, but something obviously was missing. 
and so I, I think there was a soul thing going on, but I think there, I bet there was something physically even or relationally or things out of his control that were happening. And you see this thread also of that God is sovereign. And one of the verses that I remember that stuck out to me was in uh, chapter 9. And he said, But all of this I laid to heart, examining it all, how the righteous and the wise and their deeds are in the hand of God. And um, I remember that really strike because in 1999, I was trying to figure out where am I going to go? I'm about to finish college. I've got a year internship in a hospital. And at the time I was dating a boy that wasn't Chris, didn't, hadn't met Chris yet. Anyway, and so it was, do I, I had this choice to move to Texas or Florida or stay in Alabama. And, you know, it was just, it it felt like this big, heavy decision trying to figure out like this is going to affect the rest of my life, you know? And I remember sitting in like a Denny's all by myself, somewhere in the middle of Texas and reading Ecclesiastes. And this verse just really stood out to me. And it was God, it was as if God was saying, just chill out. You're in my hands. Like you can't control everything. You can't, even if you make the wrong choice here, you still can't control your future. You can't control whether or not you're going to marry this guy or somebody else. You can't control what's around the bend. And that's just always been a, that idea of God's sovereignty has always been a comfort to me. And I think it was a comfort to Solomon that he has a good plan and we've just got to trust and just take it a step at a time and fear the Lord and obey his commandments. And he's going to, you know, not, I don't want to say make it all right, but even if I mess up the, if I make the wrong choice, he still can, I'm still in his hands. He still can, you know, because it wasn't a sin issue. It wasn't like a, you know, if I moved to Texas, that's sinful. But if I moved to Florida, it's not, Mm -hmm. you know, it, it, it wasn't a sin issue. It was just a, do I move or not? Where do I go? And we, we face those decisions a lot. There's, there's two good options. Um, and sometimes more than two good options and we don't know what God's will is. And that was a comfort to me. And so I think that, Solomon was a bit of a control freak like me too, because he talks about there's a time to, time to yeah, chapter three. Yeah, I'm gonna totally. No, you I go ahead. You it. you go yeah. right on ahead. A time to weep and a time to. I'm totally gonna mess it up. I can't quote it because I've not memorized it. But yeah, is it the Mamas and the Papa songs? No, it's not no. the Mamas and the Papa. It's actually it? the birds. The birds. That's right. B-Y- ah, I'm so sorry. I've just totally offended all of my music friends. Yeah. So. I think the end result is what, from what Katie's trying to say, is if you're struggling with God's direction for your life, mm-hmm. get a Grand Slam breakfast from Denny's, and that'll solve it. <laughs> That's right. Only if you're reading Ecclesiastes with that Grand It was at like 10 o'clock at night, too. That's I the vividly o- that's remember the, that. I that's don't technically remember. the only acceptable time to go to Denny's. I don't remember where I was in Texas. I just remember I was sitting in a booth all by myself studying Ecclesiastes, and it was like this peace. Yeah. And then I moved to Florida and met you, so I'm sh- you should be glad. That I read Ecclesiastes in that I moment. I am. I'm also glad for Denny's. We're open to corp- <laughs> corporate sponsorships. If anybody knows anybody at Denny's. Oh, gosh. Anyway, so. it's going, this is going south fast. So that means it's time to go. That's right. Anyway, thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week, Lord willing, with another episode of the Focus 15 podcast. So thanks for listening. Share it with your friends. Give us reviews on iTunes. Like it on Facebook. All that fun stuff. And that means the world to us. And it helps other people find the show. So, all right. You guys have a great day. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you've enjoyed these tips, share it with a friend. To learn more about Chris and Katie and the Focused 15 ministry, go to focused15.com. Have a great week.